Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. My husband's listening, listening to it, going crazy because she's such a cute. I've gone through like, the whole May representative of Darren's reading that to the hog, so yeah. they can't get the answers. How are the people going to get the answers? They know how hard I work and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Coach 96. You know what's nice these mornings, and I see it there, a couple of messages coming in to, to Wayne and KC on the breakfast show. Messages coming in from people who are on their holidays. It's lovely to see. Hello from Portugal. Hello from Tenerife. Good morning from Alicante. It's lovely to see. So if you're listening to us anywhere on your hollybobs, uh, thanks for staying in touch. If you are going away this weekend or anytime soon, just download the app, the Corks 96 FM app, and you will find us there. And of course, WhatsApp is free from anywhere in the world if you want to get involved in the program. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96, the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email is usual, opinion at 96fm.ie. The world of pop and showbiz quite worried this morning about Madonna. I'll do more on that in a bit, but the story that just keeps on giving, keeps on giving, keeps on giving us headlines and will continue to do. The general view out there now is that Ryan Tuberty will not be back on RTE Radio or anywhere else like it for quite some time, if at all, the Irish Daily Mail after the first appearance of the RTE executives, who, by the way, didn't particularly inspire any confidence, even in the way they presented themselves yesterday. They just looked like they'd run out of the canteen and into the Oireachtas Committee. There was no kind of move to look like a... They didn't... You know what I mean? They didn't look like a united front. They didn't look like we're here now and we have the answers. No, they didn't. They certainly didn't inspire confidence under questioning anyway. Irish Daily Mail says no way back for Tubridy. Independent Tubridy's RTE future in serious doubt. The examiner minister wasn't told of the resignation. That was another story emerged yesterday. I'll talk to Mick Clifford about that in a second. It turns out now D Forbes was asked to resign, what, nearly two weeks ago now. So it broke here Monday morning that she had resigned. She was asked to resign before we ever knew anything about this, which means the thing just gets deeper and deeper and more and more layered. Brass necks, there they are on the front page of the star they just don't inspire confidence that particular group they don't look organised they don't look as if they had someone standing and saying okay guys here's how you present yourselves they just no didn't look good the sun covers uh, Madonna of which more later uh, Irish Irish Daily Mirror has a good headline point of no right horn 
as in Ryan Tuberty seems to be seems to be finished. Paul Hosford from the Examiner was tweeting all day yesterday about some of the highlights or lowlights or whatever you have in yourself from the Eructus Committee hearing. There's another Eructus Committee hearing today with the same gang uh, being brought in in front of another committee and already the Minister for the Media, Catherine Martin, has said we need better. We want better answers than we got yesterday because what you gave us yesterday won't stand up. For example, Richard Collins, their Chief Financial Officer, said he was unaware of the consultancy fees element of Ryan Tuberty's pay deal, to which Deputy Imelda Munster said, how would you stop? Like, we now know, it has now been established that it was the consultancy fees invoice, this famous €75,000 bill to a company outside the country for consultancy fees, and then written off as part of Ryan Tuberty's wages. That seems to be what had the auditors going, come here, <laughs> why not? And I said to you during the week, you never want an auditor in your company going, come here, what, 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 what's that? What's that? That's where it started, was with this 75,000. Mick Cliff- Clifford uh, is writing in the Examiner today about the the concept of public service broadcasting and, and where it stands uh, as a result of all of this or where we might see its future as a result of all of this. Mick, maybe I'd open by asking you a question which you might think I was going to ask you. What's your view of what is public service broadcasting? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, what's my view of public service broadcasting? I suppose it's that element of broadcasting that is deemed required in a democracy in order that the public are fully informed uh, and you can that is true for example news true current affairs true issues like drama because drama does t- tackle societal issues and you could argue whether sport or, comes into that or not but the thing is in this country public service broadcasting and RTE as, as the broadcaster has developed as a different model PJ possibly or probably because of the size of the country in that it would be difficult enough to sustain a private uh, a, a public service element mm. without having the the commercial side attached also for instance in the likes of the USA you have public service radio mm-hmm. that does excellent work but then that country has hundreds and maybe thousands of radio stations commercial radio stations but i suppose it's the model that's here and and that type of thing you know mm. that we, we we must have news and we need a reliable source of news that we can go to and say right it's six o'clock it's nine o'clock let's catch up on what's happening in the country now one would argue virgin media does that very well yeah. on television too but RTE has traditionally been the go-to, a bit like BBC in the UK. Very much so. Now, the only difference with the UK, of course, is, again, you have a much bigger population, much bigger market, so you have room for the likes of Sky, for the likes of Channel 4 and ITV and those. But at the same time, you know, I would argue, I agree with it, I, I believe there's a role for public service broadcasting that it is required uh, in, in any democracy, but um, the issues are in, in this case would appear to have very little to do with public service broadcasting. In fact, nothing, and have more to do with the commercial element of mm. the RTE. And you know, it would strike me. I think one of the one of the 
things to come out yesterday in the meeting, and I forget who it was answering. I think it was um, Shuan Nirahla, the, the, the chairperson, chair. yeah. that um, that RTE, in terms of negotiating contracts with their top broadcasters, were effectively bidding against themselves. Yeah. Now that's a ludicrous situation, and it is also fairly accurate because the reason that was put forward for a lot of these very high salaries was that if they're not paid, they'll go elsewhere. Well, that doesn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny in terms of the market in the country. I was thinking about that too when I heard that comment, Mick. And look, I've spoken in the past week about the concept of having an agent and how much you're worth. And Ryan Tuberty on any given day, or let's choose any other name represented by Noel Kelly, you're worth what Noel Kelly can get for you and no more. You're worth what Noel Kelly can extract for you. That's his job. He does it very well. He gets very highly paid for it by the people that he serves. But the idea of bidding, like, if if he goes into RTE and says, well, Mr. Tuberty is quite happy to sign another five-year contract, but he wants 450,000. If he, or 550,000. If he doesn't get it, where's he going to go? Exactly. That's the thing. That's exactly the point. If he jumps that, across the road exactly to News point, Talk, they won't have that money for him. No, they won't. And Look, look at it another way. The very obvious example of what did happen. Pat Kenny, probably the foremost broadcaster of the last 20 or 30 years in the country, um, Pat decided uh, he was going to leave. He'd get a better number in news talk and fair play to him like anybody. He's absolutely right to do whatever's best for himself in that position. Now, he did leave. He, he he boosted news talks figures somewhat, no question about that. I, I, I haven't a clue whether it's considered a success in that regard or not. But Sean O'Rourke stepped into his slot there and RTE didn't lose many listeners. So, I mean, this notion, and, and that's one broadcaster, remember. So this notion that if you have four or five of the top broadcasters and, and a, a scenario can be presented to RTE that if they don't pay up, and most of these broadcasters are represented by the same agent, if they don't pay up, they're all going to flee. The, the fault doesn't lie with the broadcasters who want to, the, to, to get the best they can. Absolutely not. Everybody does that. The fault does not lie with the agent who's doing that on their behalf. The fault lies with those who accept the scenario that if they don't pay these huge sums, these broadcasters will mm. all en masse clear off and deplete RT to such an extent that the station won't have anywhere near the, the listenership it has. And, you know, it and, doesn't and, and, work. Thing. and it's quite amazing. And I have to say, PJ, I think a lot of this goes back to, and we're talking 30 years, to the days of Gayburn. Gayburn was an exceptional individual. He was one of a kind. He came along at a particular time in the evolution of society and in the evolution of broadcasting in this country. And he had particular talents that were pretty unique. Now, the kind of situation that they're talking about with their top broadcasters, one could well imagine that in Gay Burns Day that would have pertained in relation to him as a unique individual. And ironically, it or claimed, and, and not just claim, I think it's true that he was underpaid at the time, but one could understand that, that scenario. Those days are long gone. There is no monolithic culture whereby one individual is necessary for, for, for the listenership or whatever of the whole country. Those days are long, long gone, and yet it would seem in RT that type of a scenario is inbuilt into the culture of management, and it makes absolutely no sense. Mm. And this idea, I w- you'd wonder how tough the negotiators are 
within Montrose. I know by reputation, I've only met the man a couple of times and spent maybe 15 minutes in his company in my entire life. But Noel Kelly has a reputation as a phenomenal negotiator. You'd wonder who faces him across a table and says, well, Noel, where's he going to go, pal? Where's he going to go? Yeah, well, you'd wonder. Mean, you'd admit to that. Yeah, well, the other element to that, PJ, is, you know, kind of organisational behaviour. And, you know, I, I've come across it in other big institutions whereby those at the very top, one of the guiding lights is that no scandal, no big yeah. issue occurs during their tenure that they will be remembered for in any way. I mean, for example, I've come across that in, in, in institutions like the guards. Now, you take RTE. If you have a situation with those at the top management, have this mentality that the, the top broadcasters are such stars and they say to themselves, well, I'm not going to be the one who was remembered as having lost Ryan Tuberty. Well, in that scenario, it's public money they're dealing with. It's not yes. out of their own pocket. There is no bottom line in terms of, of a commercial company whose bottom line is to make as much profit as possible. And does that feed in to the idea of... of giving Noel Kelly or whomever what they want in this regard. Because from my understanding and talking to a lot of people, Mr. Kelly has nowhere near the same power influence when he's dealing with uh, institutions like uh, Virgin Media or News Talk or, or, or whomever, you know? Mm. Let's talk about the money, uh, Mick, because it, it, it would appear at this stage that the what alerted the auditors to say, come here, what's this? What alerted them was these 75 thousand euro payments that were floating around between here and UK labelled as consultancy fees. Now you're an investigative journalist, you love digging into the money trail. Like what's, what's your view of what was going on there? Clearly it wasn't illegal, but it was distasteful at least. It was, well what strikes me is what was going on there is, is that Ryan Tuberty had a separate arrangement, perfectly entitled to do so, with Renault uh, and, and, and this had been negotiated to the extent, as I understand it, that he would make three public appearances per yeah. annum for Renault. Renault obviously being the sponsor of the Late Late Show, and that Renault would pay him accordingly. And getting 25 grand a pop for each of these appearances must be a great work if you can get it. Indeed. As they say. <laughs> yeah. But when they pulled out, RTE underwrote it. Exactly. And this is the crucial element. Now, as I understand it, RTE underwrote it before they pulled out. Yeah. So even how do you have a scenario whereby a broadcaster in that situation says, if the commercial partner will not pay this money, we will pay it. I, 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 I'm just amazed that such a thing was negotiated. That's one element. The second element is this. One of the main reasons that I understand it that Renault pulled out was because 2020, as we all know, baboom, we're hit with a pandemic. Public appearances, like mm -hmm. everything else, oh, are up the window. There is no oh, public to appear before. Yeah. And therefore, you know, they're not going to be paying out money for something that doesn't happen. Now, what I can't understand on top of everything else, that is that situation, either RT did not go to Noel Kelly or Ryan Tuberty and say, listen, I know we underwrote this. You see why Renov pulled out. Look at the state. Of the of of our place, of every place, the play, the, the, the society, com commercial activity has gone into deep freeze. Could we back off on this money? RT quite obviously didn't say that. Ryan Tuberty, and who knows the, the extent to which he was clued into what was being negotiated on his half, or Mr. Kelly didn't say, "Look, we'll forego that under the circumstances, pandemic, etc., etc." Mm. 
That's the other element that, and again, there's nothing illegal, absolutely nothing no. illegal in what was done. Distasteful, though. About, it is. You have to wonder about the morality of that, to be yeah. perfectly frank about the whole thing. The idea as well, uh, Mick, that only D Forbes knew. I don't buy it for a split second, do you? No. Um, and, and even the way the RT statement was phrased, she was the only person in a position to understand now, there isn't a lot of understanding involved in the whole thing, PJ. You know, the impression that was given yesterday was one person knew a bit of this and another knew a bit of that, but only D Forbes knew the whole thing. That's nonsense. I have to say, what, what, what probably does ring is what Shuni Riala said. And to be fair to her, she is very new as the chair and she has come into a culture. I don't think anybody could accuse her of creating a culture. She's come into a culture. But this idea that if the DG says it's happening you don't ask questions and you go ahead with it. That may be true, but from a, from a, a, a point of view of responsibility, it's an entire cop-out in any kind of an organisation that no, you have a culture of nobody questioning anything, you know? I mean, for example, if we were talking about a business and one person, one man or woman had created the business and they were head of the business themselves. Now, you could understand the scenario whereby somebody of high, unbelievable ability to create all this, that those around them wouldn't question his or her decisions. That's not what was going on here. The DG is a person who comes in, does a job. They, it ain't rocket science, mm. you know. You need a, a brain about you, but the notion that whatever that DG did wasn't questioned, I mean, that's a, a, a ludicrous culture, I think, in a situation like that. And here's the bit that clinches it for me, Mick, and I'll leave you with this and see what you think. This 75,000 was moved around so carefully as to have a saying today, it's distasteful, but it wasn't illegal. Now, there's no one going to tell me that there wasn't at least one phone call from Office A to Office B going, come here, we're going to, come, we're going to do this. We're going to give him that 75,000. Here's how we're going to do it. Is our arse out the window if we do that? No one's going to convince me there wasn't a conversation of that nature. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's that you, you, you could be fairly accurate in that, PJ. Or the alternative being... Somebody sees it and they look away. And that looking away is, uh, you're not off the hook for looking away. You're in that position. You have duties and responsibilities in that position. If you do nothing and you just look away and pretend you don't know, you have as much responsibility as if you picked up the phone. Mick, thank you. Mick Clifford, Irish examiner, investigative reporter and columnist. And I'm thinking... More and more over the last 24 hours, and I watched elements of that hearing yesterday, and I'll watch the other one today. I'm thinking more and more of the good people that I know in RTE, uh, great people working down there in the radio centre, the Cork Radio Centre, down there by the Keys. People have been in and out over the years and know them, and people who would have worked here and other independent sector and then would have gone in there. I think of those people, I think of, and I, I will. Name check one, I think, of my pal that I've known for many years, Jerry Reynolds, uh, works down there. I feel cross for them. And when I looked at the protest and the pictures of the protest, one guy I noticed, for example, you'd never know him unless you'd been in the studio for the, the Today Show. And I oh, look at him. They're, those people have been stiffed. They've been stiffed by this. They've been told there's no money for the coffee machine. They've been told there's no money just work off that one litre of milk for the day 
There's no money for another one. They've been told all this nonsense. And then this crap was floating around upstairs for the sake of one guy and keeping him on the books. Those good people, and there were many of them, and I know them, and I would salute them as I'm passing the building. They've been stiffed, and I feel bad for them. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. Someone says here, surely Trubridge would have countless offers in the UK. I don't know about that. He did do a lot of cover work on BBC Radio 2 over the years and was popular and went down well over there covering for, I think he covered for Graham Norton and he covered for a few others. Uh, There didn't seem to have been any offer of extra work. Do I think his career is over? I certainly hope not. He's he's too good to lose. He's very good on radio, is Tuberty. I'd love to see him back in some capacity, although I do think it'll be some time, and somewhere, although I do think it'll be some time before he is, because of all the damage this has done. 0818-96-96-96. Now, Shar Nolan, I'm so sorry for what happened to you. Good morning. Hi there, thanks for having me on PJ. Tell people what happened. You were playing in Fred Zeppelin's. Uh, yes, so uh, I am a drag king. Um, for anyone who isn't familiar, it's basically dressing up as a more kind of masculine personality. And I had a gig in Fred Zeppelin's on Saturday night. Um, gig went absolutely amazing, wonderful crowd. And the same as anyone on a Saturday night, we just wanted to get home safely. And we were waiting at the taxi rank um, in Cork City. And unfortunately, we had a few incidents of verbal harassment and one incident where it got physical, where someone ended up punching me. Um, all for existing while being out in in drag as a very visibly LGBT person. Mm. Scared? You were very scared, I'd say. Yeah, like, it, I, honestly, I was just so shocked. Um, I think it's the biggest thing. Like, I'm like I'm in my 30s. I've been out as LGBT in Ireland for nearly 15 years. I grew up in rural Roscommon. Um, and, like, I've had my fair share of comments, my fair share of close calls, but I've never had something turn physical before. Um, like, I've done plenty of facilitation and de-escalation in like my volunteer experience so I was like oh you know ignore people or just go look like we're not interested in talking to you goodbye like I don't particularly believe in shouting back or trying to start debates or anything like that I don't think anything like that um, usually leads anywhere productive Um, but the skills that I had unfortunately weren't enough on Saturday night Um, but uh, when I was struck by a stranger on the street um like honestly the fact that i 
defended myself and I struck back like I'm a mobility aid user. I have different disabilities and chronic illnesses that affect my mobility. So I use a cane or a crutch often when I'm performing or if I'm out and about in the world and only that I had my cane on me. And I think he was so shocked that I struck back. He just left me alone after that. Mm. Yeah, expected you to just take it on the chin, as it were. Yeah, and like I said, like, honestly, I, I'm i still kind of reeling from the fact that, like, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. And I think I was so shocked and not quite processing why it happened. I was initially like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. That's so awful. And it took... Um, meeting other people then on Sunday afterwards and being like, oh, this really weird thing happened last night. And it took telling other people for me to kind of learn, oh, you know, um, I, I I, was merely defending myself and the fact that like we were getting so much abuse, like I wasn't on my own. Yeah. Um, I was with my partner at the time and we were like in Cork City Centre on Grand Parade. Like we weren't, we were trying to get a taxi home from about half 12 in the night. So it wasn't, it's especially late, but it was mm. a very, very busy night in Cork. And I'm sure anyone who was out on Saturday night knows that it was a struggle for many of us to try and get home. Yeah. I understand your partner is from Cork, so would have been very familiar with the surroundings and they were very surprised by this. Yeah, um, like my partner is from Cork. I'm from Galway City myself uh, and I perform down in Cork a lot and I visit Cork a lot. Um, I've had a few instances the last couple of months coming home from shows where we've gotten some shouting and like nasty kind of verbal comments. Um, But I think that's just the reality, unfortunately, for being a visibly LGBT person in Ireland in 2023. And it's surreal to me to think that I had more safety a couple of years ago than what I feel like on a night out now um, because I don't know there's just there's just been such a rise on, a, on on attacks on our community and it's just shown now more than ever why pride is still so important and so necessary you were in um performance costume correct would would, would you change correct, your, would yeah. you change your mind now about traveling home or traveling to wherever you're staying? in costume after um, this I'm that's definitely going to be something I'm going to be adapting or like um, because like I just like I, I don't know if I'll get that lucky again that I just get away with cuts and bruises um, like I got checked over by my GP yesterday um, because they were afraid of a skull fracture where I got hit uh, but thankfully just soft tissue damage but it's definitely like the main reason I started, I shared my story when I was on my way home from Cork um, on Monday was to flag it with peop- other people who organise drag events because there has been instances of some people getting assaulted. I know in Dublin after performances and I know that some of the Dublin venues have kind of adapted how they, um, how they kind of like, because like when I'm going to gigs, like I don't drive, I rely on public transport or taxis or mm. walking. Um, like up until 
up until recently, I wouldn't, I would have not thought twice. Like I wouldn't have walked on my own as a very visible looking, diff- like a visibly different person. Mm. Um, like just for context, like if we were playing at like a goth night, I was basically dressed up like Robert Smith from The Cure. Oh, I see, I've seen the picture. <laughs> I've seen the picture. Yeah. <laughs> striking costume. Very striking. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I like it was like a fantastic night and a really fun, expressive thing. And like I've been a big fan of music like this ever since I was a kid. And the fact that I'm getting to kind of perform in this way now is so important to me um, that I don't want it to change how I do, how I interact with my art form. But I think sure. that safety measures are definitely going to yeah. be. So somebody might suggest, Shara, not necessarily my words, but somebody might suggest, well, yeah, and you did look fantastic it was an incredibly striking costume but if you had after the gig gone into a back room and just changed back into your jeans and t-shirt and jacket and gone home with your backpack and your costume inside in it we mightn't be having this conversation or do you feel you shouldn't have to do that? Like like my gut is to say I shouldn't have to do that, but that is something I'm going to be doing from now on. Um, because I find that like, uh, when I, I don't know, to me, like going out in drag, especially in post pandemic Ireland, like I, as someone who was high risk to COVID, I was effectively very isolated for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last 12 months, drag has been very important as almost a suit of armour for me to kind of go back and get involved with nightlife in Ireland again. Understood. And to and to think that, oh, I've actually brought a different kind of trouble upon myself just for kind of embracing this thing that has helped me kind of adapt with going out and about again and adapt with... Um, adapt with the fact that like over the last couple of years like my health has um, has kind of degenerated in some ways like I'm still like I've had to um, I've had to adapt like the industry I've worked in I had to like I've had so many changes um, and drag has been such an important outlet for Mm. me to both express myself artistically Is it a comfort blanket for you sure? Yeah, like it's a comfort blanket, but like as like a young person who relies on mobility aids even, um, there was a lot of kind of like internalized kind of questioning I had to get over myself to kind of comfortably go out and about with my crutch and my cane and then incorporating my need for that into my drag character and I have elaborate crutches and canes and I have them decorated or glittery or spiky and lots of different things um, where it's kind of saying yeah this is who I am these are a part of me too and I don't know sometimes I think especially when I first started having to use mobility aids when someone sees a young person with mobility aid sometimes someone will be like oh is this a fashion statement so I kind of turned it on its head to be like no I'm going to decorate them and I am going to make them a fashion statement actually even though it's something I also medically need (laughs) yeah you it's like a good friend of mine who who uses a wheelchair and at Christmas time wires a set of lights into the battery you know just just oh brilliant (laughs) Exactly. You you will perform in Cork again, will you? 
Yes, um, I am back. I have actually, I have a show booked for uh, the 30th of July um, with Pop and Pasties. It's a monthly night that happens in Angels in Cork. Um, and it's actually specifically a trans and non-binary cast show because um, even outside of drag, like I'm a trans person. So sometimes when I'm considering like outside, if I take off my drag and I just get into jeans and a t-shirt, um, I've still gotten harassment just for the way that I present day to day. So I think part of me is kind of like, well, I'll either get harassment for being five foot three and needing a cane and still looking visibly alternative, or I don't know, I'll look a little bit more badass and a little <laughs> bit more like, okay, there's something going on here. And this person is clearly going somewhere. So Usually I'm either left alone or like, you know, you get the odd n- negative comment, but you'll often get like positive comments as well, where people are like, oh, I love your outfit or, oh, like, where are you going? Like, I want to go where you're going. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so it's kind of, it's a lot to consider when like, there is going to be the question of like, do I change how I present myself completely? Or is that letting the people who don't want to see people being vis- visibly LGBT in Ireland, is that letting them win? But I don't want to do it at a risk to my personal safety. But I also think of younger me who never thought I could be this visibly out and the fact that I'm able to kind of embrace that. So mm. there's there's a lot of a lot of kind of moving parts. You have to think about it at the moment. And going forward. You'll have to think about it. Yeah. Moment. Well, we look forward to having you back in Cork again. And glad you're okay after what happened last weekend. That's Shar Nolan. Yeah. 0818 96 On Ryan says, I assume he'll continue to be paid regardless until his radio contract is up. I do not know, Jer. There was a lot of talk in the last 24 hours as to what the situation is with his contract. At one point yesterday, we were being told that because he quit the Late Late Show, there was two years left to run on his contract, and because he quit the Late Late Show, that that voided his contract, and that he was now out of contract. On the other hand, people were saying, or some, I'm assuming someone on his side, was saying, no, no, he still has a radio contract. 0818969696. Dearman said, the way you know who is going to get the big box is to see who's meeting in the Continental Hotel in Dublin, formerly the Four Seasons. That's where all the movers and shakers drink after work. It's very easy to see who is in and who is out. You're right, Dermot. You're right. <laughs> I could barely afford a pint in there, but if you see who's going in and coming out of that place, you know who the movers and shakers are. You're not wrong there. The real world continues to exist outside the bubble of RTE and the maelstrom of the Dáil and the Oireachtas committees and all of what's going on. The real world continues to exist. I'll be talking in just a sec to a group who are exchanging school uniforms free on the north side of Cork City. That's just a couple of seconds. And then this comes in. Morning, PJ. I've worked as a home helper for over 20 years with the HSE. There are changes now to our work rosters. We're being taken away from clients with whom we've built a relationship and trust. I'm now going to some clients who are aged over 90 and they're very upset with all of this. They're not giving any choice on the matter and no exceptions are being made. We as carers do care for the clients we go to. We know their needs and they look forward every day to our call. 
Whereas the empathy and respect for old people, it's disgraceful. I understand from that that people who work as home helpers are being told that instead of going to that particular set of people that you've been going to for all these years, we're now going to randomly assign new people to you. Is that what you're saying to me? Because if that's what you're saying to me, that is daft. Utterly and totally daft. And you're right. Completely disrespectful to someone in their 80s or 90s that you've been going to for a very long time and taking care of them. Very disrespectful. What are they going to do? They're going to face a stranger, someone new, every day of the week, every afternoon of the week, see you in the morning and some randomer in the afternoon that they don't know. That's not fair at all. Thank you for your message. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Corks 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. One thing that I will never ever miss now that my children are older is back to school. I used to dread it and it would come to this time in the year coming to the end of June start of July and you'd be wondering right how do we budget for August when they're going to need uniforms they're going to need books they're going to need tracksuits shoes bags and they cost a blasted fortune and it hasn't changed because they still cost a blasted fortune but one group on the north side uh, is trying to help Claire Skillington you've set up a group on Facebook called Cork Northside School Uniforms Free. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? I'm very well. I always used to dread it, what it yeah. the cost of sending kids back to school. So how yeah. are you coming, trying to get around it? Well, like, I just had a thought. I was watching telly yesterday, and there was a lady in the UK had done something similar. So it's just kind of, you know, with the cost of, like, the jumpers and the tracksuits with the crest... They're astronomical. Like, a tracksuit for secondary school is €110. For a tracksuit? Yeah, top is 55 and bottoms is 50. They're not branded by Kanye West, are they, like? No, they're only, you know know what I mean? Like, it's it's just, it's craziness, like. So by the time you've two tracksuits bought and two crested jumpers and a tie, brand new, €310. And that's before you buy a shirt, a polo shirt, a pair of shoes, a pair of runners books, whatnot. So I just kind of thought, like, we all, I, my daughter just finished sixth class, so I have a couple of bits and bobs from her school, and I've no one to pass them on to. Mm. So, you know, we should, we're probably all in the same boat. We have the jumpers with the crest, the tracksuits. So I just kind of thought, like, it would be an idea to bring it all together in the one group, just for uniforms, and see how it goes. So it's uniforms that are still in good nick and are clean and presentable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like some people, it might be their, their only option. They might want two or three second-hand jumpers or tracksuits. Somebody else, they might be able to afford one or two new ones and maybe have a spare. But like even the cost of washing them, like you need two minimum, if not even three, like depending, you know, you wear your tracksuit two days and your uniform three days. 
you know, so like... Plus the fact that kids, particularly in primary school, they grow out of clothes over the weekend. Exactly, exactly. You're looking for more stuff usually come January or February because mm. it's up around the ankles, like, so... And the branded stuff or the crested stuff, Claire, over the years, you see where Dunn's and Mark's and Tesco's and all the other places, they all, at Aldi, do the uniform white shorts and grey skirts and shorts. You can buy them all unbranded and put the crests on. But I used to hear that the schools wouldn't accept it. Have they moved anyway to accept it? I don't know about that, but like my daughter's primary school, there was a, it was a green V-neck, but the neck and the cuff had a white line in it. Yeah. So, you know, a, a plain green jumper then just didn't look the same, even if you got the crest put on it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now, I did just buy plain green one or two years and the school didn't make any issue of it, I will say that. But for the kids themselves, they don't want to be different. They want to be wearing what everybody else in the class is wearing. And like with the Aldi and the little stuff in particular, they only go up to age 12. Yeah. You know, so like, as I said, now my daughter's going into first year. I haven't a hope of buying anything in either of them. Duns and Marks will go up to the bigger sizes, but the price equally goes up as you go up in age, you know? So like, they're definitely a cheaper option. And I'd be going there for the blue shirt or the white shirt and the polo shirts. Yeah, because they're going to be under something. But like, you do need the efficient school tracksuit and jumper. I think for the most part, yeah, you know, because the schools are are on moving on on them. You say you've a, a a youngster going into first year. I I don't envy you. Like we're talking, how much Claire to get her all kitted out and ready for day one? Oh, do you know what? Now I was just kind of totting it up roughly earlier on in my head, and I'd say we're at about nine hundred. <sighs> You know, and this is this school has a book loan scheme, so I'm not actually buying the books. You know what I mean? I'm just paying a fee to borrow them for the year, like so. It could be a lot worse. It could be worse, but nine hundred. You're in the middle of a cost of living crisis. Yeah, yeah, and ESB bill is going through the roof and everything else. Like, so I just kind of thought, like this week, especially for primary schools, they're all just finished up. We'll all be washing the uniforms and they'll be going into the back of the wardrobe and they'll be found again in September and you'll be kind of going, oh, sugar, what can I do with that? Mm. I just thought it might be a good time to set up the group and see where it goes. So Cork Northside School Uniforms Free is the name of it on Facebook. Have you had much response since you opened it up? There's about 50-odd members now, just in the day, like, so hopefully now people hear this, there might be a few more. And what schools are you covering? Well, you see, I just kind of, again, I wasn't meaning to exclude the south side at all, notwithstanding our superiority here on the north side. Oh, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. (laughs) It's just the way, you know, you have two main school uniform shops and one one does the north side schools and one does the south side schools. So I kind of had that in my head when I was doing it. So I said, like, nobody then would be kind of, you know, you'd only see the schools in your area, the uniforms being advertised for schools. In and around the north side, like Farnry, Mayfield, Grand, Dr. Heaney, those kind of areas. Yeah. 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 Well, if anyone wants to, and good stuff, in good condition, clean, Cork Northside School uniforms free on Facebook, and I'm assuming you'll get back to them and arrange yeah, connection just, or whatever. Very good. They can just pop up a post, and then, like, kind of similar to the other groups that are there, like, I'm in the group Act to Kindness, it's a fantastic group. It is, yeah. 
Yeah, so like it's kind of operating the same way. If you have something, take a picture, put up the post, somebody else can request it and organise collection between you. Claire, I can't help noticing your second name. Are you any relation to a fella called Mick Skillington who used to DJ around the place? Do you know, I think we're a distant relation, all right. I remember meeting him in um, the Anglers there. Um, yeah, and got chatting and it just happened. We both realised we had the same surname and they're, they're like second or third, something like that cousin now. Yeah, yeah, he was a bit of a legend in his time. I worked with him a lot. Claire Skillington, thank you very much. And that Facebook page, if you want to go and look at it, Cork... Northside school uniforms free. I think there's another one. There's a few. If there are any more of them, come and let me know. We'll certainly message them because I remember the dread. I remember the dread. Speaking of buying things, it looks as if there might be a law considered. Now it's down the road a bit, and it certainly won't happen this year, and probably won't happen next year either. But down the road a bit, there might be a law that says. You can't refuse cash. More and more places are gone card only now. And it's reported that the Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, isn't exactly happy with that. And there might be some legislation brought in to protect at least the small cash transaction. I love that idea, by the way. We'll talk more about that and plenty more after the news. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Patrick says cash is king. Say no to plastic. I like a choice between the two. Pat, I would always want a choice between the two. There are things that I love to pay for with card and things I prefer to pay cash for. For example, if I go for a few scoops with my pals, I I prefer to to take cash. Just a thing. But I have no problem paying with my card for other things. But Pat says no. (laughs) Cash is king. Say no to plastic. I will come back to it. I will come back to it because there could be a law coming in that would make it compulsory for shops and businesses to accept cash up to a certain value. 0818 96 96 96 the number, the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie I have been mentioning holidays quite a bit good to see messages coming in from overseas, I said that at the very top of the programme this morning, but when you talk about holidays, inevitably the conversation will turn to passports and I hope that if you are going on holidays anytime soon that you have your passport sorted out and tickety-boo the the turnover time now for an electronic uh, renewal my wife did it, God when did she do hers now it would have been late April, early May she just said oh crikey look my passport's out of date and she went bang bang, got her picture sent it online and within 48 hours her new passport was on the mat so it is working and working really well but people who have a first passport or a child's passport or a difficult passport who feel that they might be a bit overburdened 
by the paperwork. Some of them are falling for a scam. Would it be the first time? Some of them are falling for scams online where you go on maybe Facebook or Instagram or somewhere like that and you see a website. We'll get you your passport. We'll do the paperwork. We'll do the heavy lifting for you. Just give us 50 quid and we'll sort it all out. Dunnaca Alera of Sinn Féin, these are going around for a while. They are a scam. You may get a passport, but no one is entitled to charge you to get one for you. You raised it, or your party colleague raised it with the Taunish Minister of Foreign Affairs, and you weren't too happy with the response. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, like, I mean, look, we, uh, you know, every year you'd have people who are worried about getting their passports renewed in time. Um, and particularly new passports, as you say, babies and people who are traveling for the first time. But unfortunately, what seems to be happening here, and I was speaking to my colleague, Chris Andrews, who's a, a TD in Dublin Bay South, who, um, who has come across cases like this, uh, where people have seen websites advertised on Facebook and in different places offering to, to do the heavy lifting, as you say, and to try and speed up the process. But unfortunately, after a couple of weeks, when they ring looking for an update, they're not able to get through to this crowd. Uh, and they ring the Department of Foreign Affairs, who have no record of their passport. And that, you know, what seems to have potentially been happening is that some of this information seems to have been harvested. So, like, I mean, obviously, that's extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. You'd be really worried. I suppose some of the people who might be, you know, people who mightn't be as tech literate and things like that, people who... Maybe some sometimes older people can be more vulnerable to these kind of scams. Um, it's it's very dangerous. Obviously, your information that you're giving it's your own, um, and it's something that you should guard very carefully. And it's very dangerous for third parties, especially ones without any legal basis or sound company yeah. or organisation or anything like that to be getting your information, especially if they're trying to use it for some kind of scam. So like for a first passport or particularly for a child's passport, the paperwork can be cumbersome and difficult to work your way through. And if someone says, look, for 50 quid, I'll handle all of that. All you need to do is give me the form and I'll sort it out. Yeah. It's temptation. Yeah, exactly. It is temptation. I understand people get very, very stressed and very worried. And obviously our office would be dealing with queries in relation to that, like, um, uh, and trying to follow up applications. But, but if you're making an application, it should only be to the Department of Foreign Affairs Passport Service. There is no other third party that should legitimately be handling an application. Your TD's offices can, can make inquiries as to how your application is proceeding, but the application has to go through the Department of Foreign Affairs. And it's very dangerous and very risky for people to do anything else. There's no legitimate company that can speed it up. There's no legitimate company can, can make it easier for you to despite what they say. Um, so, so look, what we've been calling on um, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, who's tarnished as well, Michal Martin, to do is a public awareness campaign. And look, that doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be enormous. The odd piece on the radio, the odd piece on Facebook, just warning about the fact that this exists because you know if your information is harvested if 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 somebody belonged to you uh, has their information harvested obviously that's extremely dangerous mm. and uh, you do not know what that information could be used for um so I, I think it is worrying i know the department of foreign affairs are aware of it and it's been discussed internally um i think it's a shame that they're not at the minute exploring some kind of public awareness campaign yeah. i'd say Probably a lot of people listening in today, this is the first day I've heard of it. And uh, look, it's a good service from yourselves in terms of 
uh, Cork Radio to be getting the word out there that this scam exists. Well, it's the time of the year. It's the time of the year, Donnachar, where people start to panic a little bit with a holiday booked in August and and the passport isn't done or the passport is slow and all of that. Now, your your colleague Deputy Andrews raised it with Michal Martin. He said the department is aware of these websites. Uh, who in return for a fee are purporting to assist. He's aware that they're even scamming people. He said they're not authorised to act in this way by either the department or the passport service. And he says people should exercise extreme caution. How much further does he need to go, do you think? Well, look, I I think, you know, that's uh, what we've been suggesting is a public awareness campaign. An ad like a radio ad ad or something? Well, uh, yeah, a few ads and a bit on social media, I think, you know, particularly given that that's where an awful lot of this stuff seems to be originating. It seems to be these websites are being advertised on on Facebook and places like that. Like, I mean, so that seems to be where the fundamental problem is. Look, it doesn't have to be a big thing. We're not asking for an all singing, all dancing campaign, but, you know, the government to try and rely on something more than yourself and myself and mm. political parties and local radio spreading the word. Like, I mean, I don't think, I think that helps, but I don't think that the Department of Foreign Affairs should be abdicating their responsibility. If they're aware of this danger, I think they need to be warning people of it. Um, on the, on the same point. topic, but slightly different, this time last year and indeed the year before, but last year when we could travel again <laughs> for the first time in a couple of years, we were inundated with calls from people waiting weeks and months, particularly for children's passports, but sometimes for their first adult passports. And deputies, TDs, senators, even councillors, inundated with people coming to their office looking for help. Has it eased up, do you think? Are things are things working better this year? It has eased up and it is a bit better. And like you say, if your renewal is a straightforward one, it can be extremely efficient and it's very impressive. I renewed my passport last year and it was renewed and it was back within 24 hours when it's very straightforward. But when it's not, it can be difficult. And one of the problems that we do still seem to be coming across is people are submitting all the documentation. They hear nothing and then they get a phone call six or seven weeks later saying that there's something wrong with their documentation you know, and six or seven weeks have then passed. Like, so, you know, the clock is nearly reset and we are still having some difficulties with people who, you know, they have something witnessed by a guard and submitted and the passport office is trying to ring the guard station, trying to find that guard. And unfortunately, too many of our guard stations aren't open all the time. And, you know, the call gets redirected to Anglesey Street or wherever your divisional headquarters are. And the passport service isn't able to track down the right guard to confirm that the information is correct. Yeah. So, you know, like time is lost in that kind of way as well. So there are still blockages in the system. It's better than it was. Um, it doesn't really affect your adult renewals. It provided it's a fairly straightforward adult renewal. Uh, it's your new applications and your, your children and things like that. Yeah. And anything where there's anything a bit complicated. And look, we can understand that sometimes documentation can't be complete, but I think it's really frustrating when they're only coming back to you after six or seven weeks yeah. saying that it's not complete. And that means that time is lost. And, and the clock, if I remember right from last year, the clock goes back. So if you're six weeks into an application uh, process and they discover that your paperwork isn't right, in the time that you're getting the paperwork, you're gone back to the back of the queue. Is there any service, I assume, that one can walk into a, uh, an office like yours, although you're busy enough, with their passport application form, their photographs, their paperwork, their certs, and say, listen, would you ever have a look at that before I send it away? Because that's where these fellas are cashing in. 
Is there anyone yeah, that can you go to a peace commission? Can you go to a guard? Can you go to a post office? Can you go to a TD or a Senate? Is there is there some way to say someone sitting listening to us now, Donica, and they're looking for the first passport for the child to bring on holidays, and the paperwork is an inch thick, and they just want it checked? Who'll check it? Well, look, I mean, obviously, TD's offices would have a bit of experience in this, and we would be happy to look over them. But, like, I mean, really, the most appropriate people, like, I mean, is to make an appointment with the passport officer to speak on the phone to the passport service. They are the most reliable. There is, there's any of these companies that are purporting to try and offer shortcuts. The, these are the authority. Um, like, but some of the blockages that exist, unfortunately, it's not the fault of the people who are making the application it's maybe that issue of the guard station not being open as much as it should be yeah. uh, like I, I think the best thing that people could do uh, we're happy to assist us or all TD's offices but the best thing that people can do is to ring the passport office and to, to maybe go through the form with them over the phone and say have I got everything right here uh, to make sure that they are the other thing I'd say as well PJ sometimes it, sometimes it can be lost in this and people can I suppose um, think of it purely in terms of holidays and people are entitled to their holidays and that's important too but like there is also an element that, that sometimes it can be missed that sometimes passports are needed for important life oh, events. Oh, sure. Oh, just, sure. Oh, no, no. You the, know, you're, just you're, the time of year, I was saying here. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I know. And I, 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 I suppose I'm just making the point that sometimes people can, I suppose, you know, you know, sometimes there is an urgency that can sometimes be forgotten, like holidays are, are good and valuable, but like if somebody is sick, you know, yeah. a sick relative abroad or there's a funeral and things like that and or somebody's going to be born... You know, all these kind of things are very important to people and sometimes they're some of the most urgent ones and people need passports for that too, of course. Yeah. Okay, Donica, thank you, Donica O'Leary. Sinn Féin TD for Cork. South Central, message is clear. Do not give anybody money to help you with a passport application. They have no authorization to take money. They have no right to take money and they may well be about to scam you. If you, it's a, I had to do it for my kids back along. Now their passports renew really easy. But I do remember trying to renew or trying to get their first passports. God, it was cumbersome. Very, very cumbersome. And you sit there with your paperwork going, I hope this is right. I hope this is okay. Because if there's anything wrong, they'll send it back to me and we're back to square one again. Ring the passport office and see what someone... Maybe, maybe I, I don't know if they do. I know they listen to us down there. But I don't know if it's the case if... And I'm thinking particularly of people whose literacy skills mightn't be the best. Do you know, people mightn't be confident in filling out forms and that sort of thing. Is there some system whereby the passport office can see you? Would someone see you and look at the form and look at the package and say, yep, yeah, that's good, that's great, and now we'll take it for you? Is there any system whereby that can be done in Cork? 0818969696. PJ, my daughter, renewed her Irish passport online from London. It was back in a week. Yeah. Oh, the, the online system is brilliant, Sharon. Absolutely brilliant. As I said, Queen Bee renewed hers around the end of April. And I think she put everything together on a Friday afternoon, paid her money online, and the passport was on the mat on Monday morning. Brilliant. PJ, I applied for an Irish passport for my son who lives in Brazil. They denied the application three times just because he doesn't live here with me. 
0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Here's a random one. I love the random ones that come in. Uh, we weren't thinking about it and nobody else was in the building and then someone asked a question. That's what we're for. And I've often said to you, if there's something we're not talking about that you think we should be talking about, then you can start that conversation with a message like this. Hi, PJ, what's the latest on the PRISM development behind the bus station? We need housing in Cork and high rise is the answer. Can you ask some politicians what's happening? That's a private development, isn't it? I know the one you're talking about, the exact one you're talking about. This has to be this enormous high-rise, pretty much all-glass building, triangular in shape, which is why they're calling it the prism. I haven't seen it shooting up yet. I know there's a great big building site there and a great big hole in the ground. I don't know if there's much else. It'd be interesting to know what is going on. Thanks for that. Now, down to West Cork we go. Paul Cobb. Um, Paul, you've been harvesting seaweed in Dunmanus Bay and all your stuff has been robbed. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's been a long road um, of uh, pioneering seaweed farming in Ireland. And um, uh, two years ago, I finally got my license yeah. after 10 years farming in on the Roaring Water Seaweed Co-op site. And um, we just um, were producing our first crop this uh, winter. I've been working all through the winter um, the only boat in the bay um, in all the weather mm. and uh, we were halfway through our harvest and um, all our ropes were cut I'm afraid Sabotage or an accident? No, you know, this was sabotage because you don't lose you don't lose six separate moorings all at once in good weather What's, and it's all, yeah. it's all disappeared yeah. yeah, what have you lost? You've lost your boys, your barrels, your floats all that Everything was cut back to the chains, so I would call it professional sabotage by somebody who was quite capable of disposing of tons of gear. Mm. It's all vanished. I seem to remember, Paul, seaweed farming being a little controversial, is it? Um. No, don't confuse seaweed farming with wild harvesting and uh, there's a mechanical harvesting um, yeah. issue in uh, Bantry Bay. Um, That's because, what I'm thinking uh, of. I covered that the last couple of years, yeah. Yes. This, this is the sustainable alternative to wild um, harvesting and mechanical harvesting of wild seaweed because we're growing it from spores, okay. which actually has a positive impact on the environment. Okay, it's kelp and wakame, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, that you harvest. What's it used for? Um, it's uh, we we've got we were chosen in 2013 um, by a Japanese company Itadaki Zen to be their supplier. Um, so we export and we also make our own products with it, um, which we sell around Ireland and abroad. What kind of things can you make out of seaweed? Yeah, marketing was always the challenge because it's a new it's a new thing, um, you know, in our culture. 
although you know it's 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 the most probably the most important thing in the kitchen in yeah. in japan um and probably um so i produce um vegan sausages burgers puddings um but um made out of seaweed yeah probably out of out of our seaweed homegrown seaweed yes um but probably people eat seaweed all the time without knowing it you know it's in so many products now processed products hmm. have you i take it you have reported all of this disappearance of your stuff to the guides what have they said of course and they're being very helpful but um it's um it's a bit of a formality you know it's a very, fairly, you know, the west of Dalmanus Bay is a fairly wild place and yeah. there's not many people around. And there wouldn't be much CCTV. <laughs> no. <laughs> to say the least. You lost, no. not just did you lose gear, you lost crop as well. You lost your harvest. Half the crop. Where yeah. We got half of it in anyway, so that's uh, something. But um, I don't know it. I don't know what they did with the long line, whether it's on the bottom somewhere or um, it's or it would drifted out to sea in the east east winds of that that were blowing um, on the beginning at the beginning of the month in June. It, could it be a hazard at sea? It, it would be a hazard, certainly. Yeah, it would be a, a navigational hazard. Well, I wish you I wish you well in. Reco- can you recover? Were you insured for the theft and stuff? No, there's no insurance. So we're we're very small. We're a small uh, cottage industry. Um, it's only a two and a half hectare site. I think that um, you know there's a there is opposition to aquaculture generally in Domanus Bay, which um, results from the campaign against marine harvest salmon farming. Mm. Um, ten years ago, which I was part of myself. And yeah, this is where you're, successful. isn't it? This is where you're a victim here, Paul, isn't it? Because you're doing a natural process uh, farming. It's not this big mechanized harvesting that you're in. But but the two are kind of conflated. So here you are doing your doing it the sustainable way. You're fallen victim to sabotage. Unfortunately, um, I mean, I would just like to tell the people who did it that. Uh, um, you know, seaweed farming has a positive impact on fish fish stocks. Um, it provides uh, grazing and cover for fish and in- increase, you know, there's all little organisms grow on the seaweed and the fish graze on the seaweed and it gives them cover against predators. So um, having a small two hectare site in in all the 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 vastness of the bay, would actually have a positive impact on fish stocks, in my opinion. Okay, so the wrong, the, the wrong target, not that there should be anybody sabotaging anybody else, but they were the wrong target. Paul, thank you. Paul Cobb, Roaring Water Sea Vegetable. I hope that you get to recover your business and recover your harvest and get new gear out there. Thank you, Paul. 0818 96 96 96. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. School uniforms on that wonderful idea that they've got at the Northside Schools. Claire Skillington was telling me about it. The new group called Parents. I've lost the name of the group, typical of me. It's called Cork Northside School Uniforms Free and it's on Facebook. They've got about 50 or 60 members since she started it uh, in the last couple of days and good to see it. 0818 96 96 96 but in response to that uh, perhaps school uniforms could be sold at a nominal rate or even donated back to the school. I've noticed that in my grandson's school in London says Anita. PJ was listening to your piece on the radio about the ladies setting up to share school uniforms. Brilliant idea. But I found when I advertised uniforms over the last few years, I got no response. I wondered why this was until colleagues at work said so many get the back to school allowance. Now, she didn't need secondhand uniforms. It certainly wasn't the case for us. And we'd have been delighted to be offered uniforms in good condition. That's from Kate. Thank you. Now, Joe Seward, I'm a bit confused here. I thought that I can watch Cork and Derry on the telly without having to pay for it. I assume that is the case this weekend. Good morning. Yeah, the Cork game um, is on Sunday um, with Derry, and it's a doubleheader in Croke Park. You have um, Mayo and Dublin, and the um, uh, GA Go games all through the campaign have been on a Saturday. So the double header on Saturday, the other two quarterfinals, Kerry and um, Tyrone and the All-Ulster Fair, Armagh and Monaghan, that's been played on uh, Saturday evening as well in Croke Park. Those two games will be on GAA Go, but uh, RTE have the, the rights for the double header on uh, Sunday, which features Cork as the curtain raiser to the uh, Mayo Dublin game. So there won't be any problems for Cork supporters who are not going to Croke Park. They'll be able to see the games. Free to wear on RTE, but if you're a Kerry supporter, you'll have to fork out for the GAA Go. And um, it's it's been well known that Kerry supporters don't tend to travel for quarterfinals and semi-finals. There'll be a huge car contingent going mm. up on Sunday. Yeah, the twelve quid per match. Now we we'd look. We discussed GAA Go earlier in the season when certain great Cork and. Your court games were on GAO, GAO only. The thing seems to be a bit of a disaster. It's so hard to use other than the cost of it at all. Yeah, and in rural parts of Ireland, people, you know, who've had issues with it, you know, with the quality of their broadband there, the uh, games have been disrupted. So it, it has been a bit of a, an unmitigated disaster. 
uh, people were complaining for years when Sky had the rights to those Saturday games um, and people weren't happy with that. But that was probably a better option now in hindsight. Of course, hindsight is a great tool, but uh, you know, having the games in Sky was probably much better. In an ideal world, of course, if maybe Virgin Media had come in or even TG Carr, uh, that would probably have been the best of all and, and maybe free to air. But, you know, they went the GA go route and uh, it certainly has left... Uh, kind of a, a bitter taste in the mouth for a lot of GA fans. I think what happens now, Joe, is people who prefer to watch matches at home or in the pub, well, not so much in the pub because they'll have a subscription, but people at home who want to watch a match, and I'm thinking particularly of elderly people, they're looking up now and saying, no, Cork are playing Derry, that'll be good. Mayor playing Dublin afterwards, I'll enjoy that. Ah, but have I to pay for it? And if I have to pay for it, then have I to go fiddling around? Have I to ring someone to come and help me watch the match? It's, it's hard for people. It is, but I suppose we live in a society where streaming has become very yeah. big. Um, League of Ireland um, in, in, in soccer have what's called League of Ireland TV, and they stream all the games. So um, you can buy a season ticket, and you can watch every League of Ireland game. Um, I know there are some games, again, free-to-air through the season on RTE and, and Virgin Media Sport from, from the League of Ireland. But... It has become, um, you know, a big thing, streaming. Um, I know that the Cork GA are, are planning to launch Cork GA TV, and they've been streaming games, um, domestic county championship games, via the Irish Examiner over the last two years. Mm. So, it, you know, and, and other counties are doing the same thing uh, with, with about two years. So it's it, it, it was something that maybe escalated a lot quicker yeah. um, during the lockdown. Well, I know rugby had been at it for a while because last year, the November season, the November series of internationals, all of them were on Amazon Prime. And you could you could scroll down to the end of your screen and they're all there. Every single one of them enjoyed them immensely. But, you know, you were still streaming. And Amazon is a very much easier platform to use, for example, than than is Diego. Something else is still going on, Joe. I can't believe it. We're still talking about this nonsense. Is our dual players in camogie and football still having to deal with a fixtures clash years after the two organisations were told, for goodness sake, don't be doing this? Yeah, at the weekend, uh, the Cork ladies footballers are playing in the, the TG Carroll Ireland uh, football championship in Clonakilty at 2 o'clock. They're playing Tipperary and uh, on the same day um, the Cork Senior Camogie team they're away to Clare and they're, they're two must win games you know for the Camogie and for the ladies footballers um, but of course Hannah Looney um, Aoife Healy Orla Callan and Libby Coppinger they're all dual players so you know it's decision time for them and we've been down this road so many times over the last number of years um, and Cork, obviously, being a, a strong dual county, was always going to have a few players. You know, we saw in the men's game, the dual player at inter-county level has become extinct, really. Um, but it's still very evident. And the key fact here, of course, is that the Camogie Association and the Ladies Football are separate associations. And um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, amalgamation, but it, it always kind of raises its head when, when this dispute comes up. But... And do they it's not very, do they not both come under? Forgive me now, Joe. This is possibly a, a very simple question. Do they not come under some central scheduling supervision, as it were, at headquarters? Unfortunately, not. Even though you know, the, the, um, obviously there would be contact, I would imagine, between them. But uh, 
separate championships and, and you wonder is, is 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 the whole issue something similar to what we saw as I mentioned the whole area of in, in the men's code that the dual player just became extinct really um, and are we heading down similar lines here but it, it presents the girls with a with a dilemma. It presents it's not the ideal thing for management either. I was talking to the Cork um, ladies football manager earlier in the week, and he didn't want to talk. He he didn't really want to speculate on this anymore. He said that both he and the the Camogie manager um, Matthew Toomey that they decided to park this for the rest of the week because it was kind of off putting all the yeah. narrative being about you know being about the dual players when you know they're involved in games that determine. The rest of their summer, they're must-win games, and you know th- this isn't the ideal distraction to be, you know, focusing on in in, in an important lead-up to two big games. Indeed, not, but it it continues many years after it was first pointed out as being a problem. Joe Seward, sports journalist. Thank you, Joe. On GAA Go, Andrew says, I think it's a bit rich from the GAA, an organisation that prides itself on the parish and inclusivity, yet it's alienating certain sectors of its fan base. I'm thinking particularly of the elderly and those who live in rural areas where there's broadband black spots. And also, to avail of this streaming, you have to click on a link. Sure, we're forever warning the elderly about the dangers of clicking on links that had frightened people. And put them off. Yeah, one thing about it, Andrew, with regard to GAA Go, I don't have it. I think I've watched one match that was being shown on GAA Go all season, and I watched that in a pub while I was there having a pint and a bite to eat. No interest to me at home, to be quite honest with you. Uh, But it seems to be very, very, very cumbersome to use. Very cumbersome. And that's a problem. You're right, clicking on links. We're telling people here every day of the week. Don't click on a link when you don't know where it's coming from because it could be a dangerous link to click on. Good point, Andrew. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks 96 FM. Whether you're working out, chilling out, or clocking out, make sure you're with me on the big drive home for your chance to win some of the coolest prizes. There's big celebrity interviews. My Spotify rap thing was so embarrassing. Like, it looked like I was living in 2009. And tunes to make your drive home a hundred times better. Driving from tunes pump it. No better feeling. I'll catch you weekdays from. The Big Drive Home With Independence Music and Arts Festival Magic and Memories at Indie 23 Tickets at independencefestival.com Cork's 96 FM So we have been following the firefighters dispute in Cork with great interest over the last couple of weeks in particular with regard to Ballon Colleague and retained firefighters and the fact that Ballon Colleague is lying there empty with no staff in it and it's national as well, of course, with retained firefighters on industrial action and possibly up, upgrading that industrial action to full all-out strike if talks that the labour relations don't go right. Something was put on the table in the last few days and it's been rejected. Will Crowley 
joins me. Um, spoken on union, spoken on for the firefighters. What was put on the table, Will, with regard to Ballincollig, and why did you turn it down? Good morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me on again, PJ, and thanks to yourself and your listeners for kind of keeping this issue, we'll say, to the fore for us. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, what was put on the table was a proposal to um, reopen Ballincollig Fire Station. Um, I think, look, for us, we we can't go too too much in detail into the proposal because of, we'll say, a, because it's part of a, a WRC process, but anybody looking at the media this morning can see, we'll say, the bones of it. Um, there wasn't, a, essentially, it wasn't a full provision of the service out in Balancholic. It would have affected, um, would say, our crewing levels in our existing stations. So that was a no-no for us because yeah. there's no point robbing Peter to pay Paul. Now, my read of it would have Something. been, from what I can understand, Will, was that they were proposing that we take two people out of Anglicy Street, say, and station them in Balancholic by day to keep that station open. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's that's essentially it. Um, and then those two people then would have crewed the Balancholic truck, but the Balancholic truck would have been in Anglesey Street by night. So, uh, look, it's just not it's just not a workable workable solution. Like, if you look at, would we'll say anybody picking up the papers or going online today can see the, the the headline that it's 2023 and we have the same numbers that we had in 1974. That's 50 years. Yeah. There is nowhere else in the country is still running with the same numbers they had in 1974. Not the guards, not the HSC, nobody. Yeah. It's just unworkable. And this know? proposed solution wouldn't solve the problem of retention wouldn't solve the problem of recruitment, which is what your dispute is all about. Is that an argument you're making? Yeah, essentially what we're saying is that the the brigade needs to grow uh, in line with the city. You can't keep growing one part of it and not growing another. It's dangerous for the people living and working in the city and it's dangerous for the firefighters trying to provide a service to those people because we're stretched. And essentially that's what it comes down to. It comes down to numbers. It's a numbers game. Um, and you have to have you have to have the the people in place to provide the service. So could we be back in an industrial action situation? I understand. Maybe I'm wrong. Has it been? Has industrial action been suspended now while these discussions are ongoing? No, the commitment we gave is that we wouldn't escalate the industrial action. So anybody passing either of the two stations um, would see guys protesting before and after their shift. Um, mainly the industrial action is around administrative stuff. Uh, what we didn't want to do and what we would rather not do is affect the service that people receive in any way because we don't want to be doing that because it's not it's only hurting the people of Cork and that's not fair either. Our hope now is that the WRC will be able to provide further further, uh, further dates for negotiations. We've an awful lot done and we have to recognise that as well. We've come a long way from where we were, which yeah. was uh, nothing at all for, for Ballincollig and no fourth fire pump. We've, we've got there, no, we've got a fourth fire pump. We've got we'll say half of, of a full time service for Ballincollig and we're nearly there on the numbers on the people that are required to crew that that truck. So I think another small bit in the at the around the negotiation table and if I, I think it's doable. If not, what happens then? 
If not, um, we're in a position where we'd have to look at, at how we'd respond to that. Um, we will be under under pressure from our own people inside here to escalate the dispute if 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 we're not making progress. Okay, we'll follow it with interest. Thank you, Will. Uh, oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That's Will Crowley, uh, the firefighters union. Ship to ship to shop steward for the firefighters. That's on the front of the Echo today. Firefighters reject deal to end dispute, which is a kind of a slightly well, it's not misleading headline. It's it's a very stark headline. What was put on the table to them was to move two personnel out of Anglesey Street and put them to Ballancolic by day and then take them back in the evening, back into Anglesey Street, which really wasn't giving them any more. It was just moving people around rather than hiring anybody new. Thanks for that, Will. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we made several attempts yesterday to talk to Mia Dorney, but the phone lines just were not we're not playing ball with us. Hopefully they will this morning. Hi, Mia. Hi, how are you? That's a much stronger line. Good to hear from you. You, yeah. have, you. you have been dealing with a thing called sarcoma over the last number of years. What is that? Um, basically, it's called osteosarcoma. It's basically an adolescent cancer that um, happens to about 12 people a year in Ireland. And out of the 12... One is always a girl, so I was just that really unlucky person. But it's basically just, you know, as an adolescent or like a teenager, young person going through puberty in your joints, you have these receptors that send out signals to make to, for cells to grow. And basically, when I was going through puberty, the wrong cells just got sent out, and that's how it happened. Yeah. You you had an injury after which you had a constant pain and you got it checked out. Yeah, so I used to play a lot of sports. Like, I'd be so mad into the football when I was younger. So I fell in a match and I tore my calf. But at the same time, my knee was aching, like nothing major, just a little, tiny little pain. But I had all the physio and nothing was getting better. But my leg, it's actually funny, you know, when you think of a tumour, I used to always have thought of something really hard and solid. But yeah. my me just kind of got quite squishy, like really swollen, but like squishy. So my dad, like we just thought it was fluid and we went to, um, I was just complaining, like everyone was saying, I'm like a broken record. So my dad finally said, oh my God, we're just going to get a scan because we were going on holidays. And he was like, I can't be listening to you now complaining about your little pain. <laughs> so um, we got a scan in the Athadea Centre on a Sunday and the Monday morning, I got a phone call from my GP just saying, go straight to accident and emergency. There's a team of doctors waiting to meet you. Mm. And I was diagnosed there and then. That's a scary moment, Mia. What age were you when that happened? Um, I was just 16. Right. What are you yeah. thinking when that's, when that's going um, on? Honestly, I think I was so young and just everything was happening so fast. I just wasn't really thinking. But when I got a chance to sink in, then it was obviously a bit scary, but... You just have to like trust the doctors. They have a plan, and you just can't really think bad, really, when you're in that situation. I think. So you had chemo, then surgery, then and more more yeah. chemo. Tell me about the surgery. What did you have to get done? Um, basically, I was really lucky because before I w- you would have like most most of the time with this um, type of cancer, you have to get an amputation because the tumor can go into your the main blood vessel in your leg yeah. but I was really lucky I was two millimetres away from that happening it eats up the bones doesn't it 
Yeah, it does. So basically what I had to get, even though it was in my femur, because the tumour had busted out of my femur and caused a fracture, but I was really lucky it was two millimetres away from going into the main blood vessel. So I was lucky enough to have something called limb salvage surgery, which is basically they removed the majority of my femur and I got a distal femur replacement and a knee replacement and buried up my hip and down my shin. So. Crikey. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. that, that. You just say that as if it just happened. So they they took <laughs> they took away half your femur and yeah. your knee bone, your knee and joint, I'm, and rebuilt yeah. you. Basically, good lord. So what have you got? You've got a load of metal inside you now, have you? Um, yeah, I'm like desperate in Air Force. I'm like going off an Air Force. So, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, metal leg basically. <laughs> and have you pain? Um, I used to, but I did physio there before Christmas. Like, obviously, I did physio and hydro at the time, but I just had a, still a bit of pain, but I did physio there before Christmas, and I just kind of built up the strength. But Brilliant. it's not as strong as my other leg, but, like, I have my leg in that. Exactly, that. exactly. Yeah. And yet you had to, with all of this, you had to learn to walk again, I assume. Um, yeah, no, my leg was stuck straight for, like, three, four months and I was in a wheelchair so I had a special wheelchair made to keep my leg in a certain position right. and then I couldn't move my leg or walk or anything so we had to get my bathroom modified and we had to get a stair lift into the house because I couldn't walk or anything but um, I did lots of physio and hydro and I like finally got there. Very good for you and you're, well, you're, you're 21 now? Yeah, 21. And what are you doing with yourself? Um, I'm studying business information systems in CIT but I'm an intern at Pepsi at the moment in the IT group so I'm doing that at the moment yeah and I I guess telling your colleagues your story they're always asking how much metal have you got in your leg (laughs) yeah they all call me the bionic woman (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so are you done with treatment now Mia um I still attend physio just for strengthening my leg and to keep myself mobile. And I still get seen every three months. I get checkups on my lungs and my organs and stuff just because even though the cancer was in my bone, if the cancer is to return, the first place it will go is my organs. So I get checked up every three months, but thank God I'm still like 100% all clear so still here and well able yeah. to, well able to tell your story and the, the yeah. checking will go on you you don't mind going for checks as long as the news is always good do you yeah no I never get nervous or anything I just like go in there knowing it's going to be okay so I just don't I wouldn't like psych myself up for it or anything but I don't mind going no yeah. aren't you glad your dad listened to you I know <laughs> I bet <laughs> you he's was, glad too yeah no definitely yeah good luck to you and good health in, in your future career and everything. That's Mia Dorney from Ballyvalan. A thing called sarcoma. Very nasty. Very nasty. Kind of a cancer in the bone. It eats up the bone. But she's got a metal, full metal leg she's got now. Almost full metal. It's great fun at the airport, she says. She's going on holidays. Beep, beep, beep. That's me leg. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM.
them. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Kira was also listening to Mia before the news. She said, my mom has sarcoma. She's fighting sarcoma the last four years. It's a horrible disease. Good to hear that girl on the show. And as I said, we will podcast that uh, interview later. And for those of you listening on your holidays and you maybe don't have time to listen to an entire three hours of a morning, you know, you're there sunning yourself in Tenerife or wherever you are, Tantiti Island, wherever you happen to be. Yes, my mother-in-law used to insist there was a place called Tantiti Island. Insist that there was such a place. However, if you're on holidays and listening and you just want to catch up with one interview or whatever, or one couple of interviews, we put them all up on podcast uh, during the afternoon. 0818969696. Let us return to the story that has dominated our news agenda for well over a week now. Um, just, it, I was at an event last night, an event that we go to every summer. Uh, my mom, um, Myself, my brother and sister, we go to... It's, it's, actually, it's a beautiful event. It's worth me telling you about it. If you have anybody who's buried in St. Michael's Cemetery in Black Rock, a big cemetery, as you know, my dad is down there, and so is my uncle. But there's quite a big event. Midsummer, they do a mass on a Wednesday evening. And they bring in a public address system and they have mass in the middle of the cemetery. And people come down and they sit by the graves of their loved ones and they listen to the Mass. It's a lovely event. We had it last evening um, with my, my brother and my sister and myself and my mom were down there. Lovely lovely evening. But we were just chatting as people were chatting. You could get the buzz around the place when you meet people walking in and walking out. Everybody is talking about RTE. Everybody's talking about those hearings. Everybody's talking about Ryan Tuberty's money and the extras and the top-ups and the 75 grand that was moving around and no one knows how it was moving around and no one really knows where it was going or who signed off on it. Christopher O'Sullivan, uh, Cork Southwest TD, was one of the people in the room yesterday when the RTE executives were being questioned. Christopher, did you get satisfactory questions or answers to any of your questions yesterday? Good morning. Hey, PJ. Um you won't be surprised to hear that no, uh, that there was very little satisfactory answers given. There was a lot of, I, I think the the executive board in particular, I went into defensive mode. Um, throughout this, especially since RT's statement was released two days ago now, on first reading that statement, what was very clear straight away is that there seemed to be, to me, a concerted effort to say, right, the former DG is no longer an employee, so she, you know, she won't be here to, to answer for herself. The former CFO is no longer on the executive board. The former, you know, uh, uh, anyone who they've implicated in this, which is mainly the former DG and the CFO, they've completely, in my, uh, in, in my view, thrown under the bus. And they said, look, we, we, there's no way we could have known enough about what was going on here. There's no, there's no way we had the information. But as as the session went on, I think there was little chinks of, of uh, there was gaps appearing in, in, in their armoury, you know. Um, one example that, that I, I, I think that I'd imagine that the Public Accounts Committee, who will get another shot at a bite of the cherry today, will focus on is it will be in around the, the commercial director. The fact that you, you mentioned the 75,000 euro and the two invoices for 75,000 euro, 
She did admit that she was aware that these invoices pertained to payment for uh, Mr. Toberty. Mm. And but what what is staggering is that these two she was aware of these two invoices, but there was no alarm bells or no red flags raised when it said for um consultancy fees on these invoices. And, and his name wasn't on them. His his name wasn't on them, but she knew that they pertained to him. Um and the consultancy fees, she said she for, she she forgot whether it was for consultancy fees. How would you? Ryan Tober is a TV presenter. He's not a consultant. He doesn't provide a consultancy authority. He he presents. So how it was not a red flag? After a bit of prizing, she said, "I you know I'd imagine that was someone within my office would have signed off on that." So then that begs the question of where is the oversight there? Um, there is no way that the the remainder of the executive board. That's the the. the the um, the interim director general. What used to be called the RTE authority, isn't that right? Yeah, the the, the chief financial officer, the um, head of commercial. You know, there's no way they can absolve themselves for any wrongdoing here. There, there's there there was astonishing revelations. Yes, and I think you know even even the the chair of the board, Shun uh, Niralik, um I think her performance was certainly below par when quizzed by uh, deputy. Uh, Brendan Griffin from from Kerry at the time, uh, you know, asked her like, do, "Do you not think you would have been better off not accepting the Director General's uh, resignation?" So that I mean, yeah. the, the key the key person here, the person who would have had most of the answers, so that you know there would have been an opportunity then for uh, committees to to quiz her and provide evidence. Mm-hmm. And she she astonished. It was like a rabbit caught in headlights. Astonishing. Her answer was. Um, you know what, maybe in hindsight we should have had a conversation and, and, and that would have been the better thing to do. Well, what it's, seems to emerge, Christopher, in terms of the, the Director General D Forbes, who I've only ever met a couple of times, and if I've spent 20 minutes in her company, it's been an awful long time I've spent in her company, but so I don't know her at all, I couldn't purport to. But this idea that she was the only one who knew, anyone watching back that tape of yesterday, she wasn't the only one that knew. And how on earth they still tell her, trying to tell us she was the only one with the final sign-off. Nobody buys that anymore. No, it's not credible. I think you know, yesterday there was some fantastic questioning, some really forensic questioning from TDs. Some people were really focused in on it. I, I, I would have, Sometimes I'd like another bite at the cherry because I think we could have even had a more coordinated approach in that when there was those those opportunities opened up, uh, you know, we should have honed in on that. And I think the Public Accounts Committee will. But, you know, I mentioned the thing about the, the, the head of commercial being aware of the invoices and the fact that there's consultancy fees. There was another, according to the statement, there was pushback within RTE against yes. um, the, the Director General's supposed approach in terms of this underwriting a guaranteeing of the payments. So clearly, if there was pushback, then there was knowledge. But when that question was asked, they then said that they had no knowledge of it. It was really confusing. It was contradictory. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's very, very convenient that they laid the blame squarely at those who are, have have either resigned or who are uh, no longer in, in, in positions. Yeah. It's it's it just uh, screams of, of circling the wagons and going into defensive mode. We are still told, and it's still insisted, that there has been no illegality he, here. And we must accept that until otherwise... Is proven, but they're pushing it. They whatever about the illegality, it's the ethics of us, um, PJ. The ethics yeah. of, of of using 160 euro of 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 people's hard earned money when they pay 160 euro for the TV license plus taxpayers' money as well. We might add, they're semi state using that money to guarantee 
or to underwrite a payment from a third party, from, from a, a big entity like yes. Renault. I mean, that 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 is, you know, you said that everyone last night was talking about it. Everybody is talking about it because they, they're, they're, they're angry, they're annoyed that this type of behaviour has gone on, that this culture still exists. Um, we thought we were, those days were, were, were behind us. But, uh, it, 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 you know, even Shani Ralik, astonishingly, again, there were so many jaw-dropping moments yesterday. She said, yeah, that she had no confidence in the culture at RT, yet she still had confidence in the executive board. It, it's There's contradiction after contradiction, which I think that this, unfortunately, and people might get sick of it, but this is going to ramble on for, for, for quite a while. Well, I think, unfortunately, people are all... There's, there's two thoughts about it, Christopher. I think people are already sick of it, but they're also fascinated as to how much more might be there to come out. Now, your committee did quite a good job yesterday in, if you want, cracking the ice, but it's the Public Accounts Committee's turn today. Do you expect we'll get more? I think in fairness to the Public Accounts Committee, they're more accustomed to this. Like I sit on the media committee every week. Every week we meet um, and, you know, no one usually bats a lie. The, the odd time we talk things about the, the future of media and, and maybe uh, uh, things like culture and sport, etc. But usually we don't get that much of attention. The Public Accounts Committee, they are seasoned at... Mm posing the, the right questions at forensically going through accounts, forensically going through statements that, you know, that this is, this is what they, they do. Mm. So we've kind of, as you say, we've, we've, we've cracked the ice. I, I think that today's committee would be, would be very, very interesting. And I'll certainly be watching closely. The, the media committee wouldn't be one we'd normally queue up to watch yesterday. We were sending out popcorn. I think it'll be, I think it'll be takeaway pizza today because <laughs> The 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 Rochester TV website crashed. I think it's the first time that that that's happened. Um, and look, you know, obviously the 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 committee room was was full. Every TD wanted to have uh, their their opportunity. Cynically, you could say, look, okay, this was an opportunity for TDs to kind of um, be, be front and center. But genuinely, what we were trying to do is get answers to the questions that the public were posing to us. You know, for example, I thought Michael Michal Carrigy, the senator, gave a great example. He's a, he's a postmaster um, where someone came into him and said, uh, Michael, I want to pay, pay my TV license. Should I make this out to Ryan Doberty or to, or to Renault? I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of attitude. <laughs> that's good that's good. Lastly, and I'm purely asking you to speculate here, Christopher, where's all this going to end? Yeah, that's a magic ball to time here. I, like, I, it was interesting. When you think about what we actually learned from yesterday, one of the things was that Ryan Tuberty certainly isn't coming back to present for RT anytime soon. Mm-hmm. The big question is, will it? Um, w- w- will he ever come back and work for RT? I, I can't answer that question. There's, there's divided opinion on that. So that that's one. The second thing is, I, I would be surprised, and I could be wrong, but I would be surprised if the existing executive board if there's if they if they're if the same names that are there now are there in a few months' time, especially after this 120,000 payment emerges, because you must remember a lot of these boards are there since 2017 and uh, 2018. But fundamentally, look, RT is going to be there forever, right? But you know, I, I'm not just saying this now because I'm on a, a regional a radio station, 96 FM. But you know, for for years, the likes of 96 FM, C103, other uh, local broadcasters have been saying. You know, is it fair for RT to be getting such a big chunk of yeah. of uh, revenue, and we're here scrapping, uh, you know, fighting for the scraps of the table? That whole thing has to change. How we finance it has to change. How that looks, I don't know. 
possibly we you know interesting Robert Short who I thought was excellent yesterday and you could see the the the, the emotion because you know this organization that he loved and he was also representing staff you must remember yes but he said for the first time ever TV license fee income for RT has has outstripped what they're getting from a commercial income in other words people aren't choosing to 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 advertise through TV anymore they're going digital so they have a huge problem but then the executive board are going to be coming back to us saying you know, we need more money, guys. So, how is all that gonna gonna play out? Yeah. You know, and as I said, you mentioned, you mentioned Robert there, and I'm thinking myself this morning, uh, Christopher, of people that I know, and maybe you know them too, in the RTE Cork offices there down on the, on the Keys, and they have been stiffed, and they are hurt, and they are bruised by this. And my thoughts are with them because they're bloody good people. Yeah, and and that, we we obviously, as you can imagine, regularly meet RT staff in the halls of Linster House. You know, whether it's the journalists, the reporters, you know, they're always uh, staying in constant contact, doing their job, doing their job really well, not getting paid a whole lot. I might add, and they've had to, you know, they've had to watch staff, their colleagues being laid off during this pay cutting process. Like this is, can you imagine that? So they've had to watch colleagues being laid off, take maybe early retirement or being laid off, and they also work with a lot of freelancers on a day to day basis. Freelancers who are who are having to scrape and, and, and are completely uncertain about when they might be used or what the future is, they've had to, to, to take their own pay cuts and then they see this special treatment for this, you know, this, this uh, who some people saw as this messiah, you know, the most important presenter in RT. It, it must really irk them. And I, I, like, you know, there was a protest in RT a couple of days ago and some high profile names stood up and said, look, this is time to call this out. This has this kind of treatment has to stop. Whatever about people have been paying more than others, you know, that's happened, that happens in every happens walk of life. But but the spe- special treatment and the kind of manipulating of accounts to make sure that he got what he wanted is, uh, yeah, it, it, as you say, they're angry. They're very angry. Christopher, thank you. Christopher Sullivan, uh, Cork Southwest Finnefall TD, member of that committee yesterday, another committee meeting this afternoon. I can remember back along the line, Jerry Ryan and Gay Bourne used to mention the problems they had with RTE management. It seems to be a place that definitely needs to have management taken down a peg or two. I think that's happening at the moment before our eyes. Where it'll end, who knows? I make one prediction, though. I mean, and we've been told since this broke that there aren't any more, there aren't any others treated the way Tubbs was treated. If it should emerge that there were, even a check for 20 quid that went a different way, heads will have to roll. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Quartz 96 FM. The annual Ballygarvan Camogie Club Golf Classic takes place on Friday, the 7th of July at Farron Galway Golf Club Kinsale. Teams of three and tee off time is 12 noon. For more info, check out Ballygarvan. Garvin Camogie Club on Facebook. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. It's one of the most controversial things of this summer, I think, is GAA Go. Every time you raise it on the programme, you, you get a call or two coming in about it. Joe? Good after, uh, Good morning, uh, PJ. How are you doing? Very well, sir. Very well. Have you missed out on matches during the summer because of GAA Go? Yes, I have. Yeah, I've missed out on a lot of them because I was um, 
very angry there with the uh, Cork Tipperary game back in May, which was probably the best game ever played in the championship so far this year. Uh, sadly, it wasn't on RT. They were showing a, a, rub, a United Rugby Championship game or something instead. Mm. And um, I just found it disrespectful because, you know, like... But it was uh, the final. It was the final of the championship, so it was kind of an important game. But they could have found somewhere to, to show Cork and Tip, you know. Well, like RT have uh, three channels. They have the RT one and two, and they have the RT news channel. So, like, I couldn't see why they couldn't put it on one of those channels. You know, it That's just true. didn't make sense. That's true. Their argument is that streaming, and many people would say streaming is the way things are going. You can, you, we can't possibly show every match. But if we stream them and you're willing to pay for them, you can see what you want. It's choice. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't. It, I suppose. Look, th- there's arguments about that, but I would think that all big uh, matches, especially the championship games, should be available on RT because if they're available on the radio, they should be available on TV as well. Yeah, like you know, the, the championship is the biggest uh, event of the spring and summer. You know, like we've got two days now in, in Croke Park this weekend for the football and I remember when the fixtures were announced thinking if the Cork game is drawn for Saturday we'll have to get GAA go because that was the plan Sunday would be on RTE Saturday would be on GAA go we could have been in a situation where we would have had Cork in a quarter final and we're not able to watch it on regular telly Yeah and I think it's an absolute disgrace PJ because you're in the tor- you're in the torture of the All Ireland series now. You could say you know there are only two matches away from the All Ireland final, and uh, I think it's an absolute disgrace because I think that uh, from the All Ireland football and Holland quarterfinals onwards, all, all those games should be available to watch. Now I know the Holland game last week was, but then they don't play as many of the games like the football. But the football, I think the four games. Or the, the the four games that are on at the weekend, they should be available on RT on Saturday as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, they won't. They'll they'll be on Diego on Saturday and RT on the on the Sunday. You also wanted to say something about the clashes, the fixture clashes for the women. Yeah, I think it's very disrespectful there, really, isn't it? Because you know this has been going on now for a number of years, like you know, and just for instance, like you know, Cork say, just say like if some of the women were playing the Camogie, just say today. And then they get a call that they have to play a football game uh, a couple of hours later. It kind of is a bit disingenuous, really, isn't it? Because you know it's kind of like putting the put it's putting them out to fodder, really, isn't it? Mm. You well, know? I do remember one player a couple of years ago who played a camogie match on one side of County Cork at two o'clock in the afternoon, got into her car and drove and drove to play a football match on the other side of Cork County in the evening. Played yeah. brilliantly in both of them, to be fair to her. But that's yeah. just not sustainable. Well, it's not sustainable because it just, you know, that, that does have a, a huge uh, impact on their mental health and everything. And, you know, they're only ordinary pay, uh, players. They're not getting paid for it. So I think they should be given the dignity they should be given. But this is, again, uh, we have seen to be a culture in this country regarding sport where... Um, the have-nots and the have and and the ones who are kind of making the advan- the, the advantages seem to be kind of going down a different road. You know, they're treat like it's it's kind of like if you are if you have the money, you get treated better. If you don't have the money, you don't get treated better. You know, you have a central scheduling system that seems not to take into account that you have dual players in camogie and in ladies football, and something that I maintain would never have been tolerated 
in either of the men's games. Joe, thank you for that. Go to Shanti. Hi, Shanti. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi. You want to talk about the RTE story? Uh, well, I don't really want to talk about it. I just sent uh, a text message in saying the thing you just said about a 20-euro check and, you know, that's when heads are going to roll. And I, I just think, why wait until then? Yeah. You know, this done something and it's not quite right. And, you know, every time you turn on your radio show and it's, you know, people suffering hardships here and there and everywhere. And it's just appalling what's happening right now. And when is, like, I'm not Irish, but when I look at the things that people get away with in this country, I'm thinking, where's the accountability? Yeah. When will people stand up and say, enough is enough, and every time something happens and a girl's gate comes to mind in the middle of yeah. the whole, yeah. you know, oh, where I have to watch my words here, but, and I'm thinking, when are people going to say enough is enough? Like, yeah. You know, we all have a voice, and we come on the radio, and we say our thing, and you know, we go online and we send out a couple of messages and then we just go on as if it never happens. And, yeah. and then something else will happen and something else will happen. I just think accountability now. And yesterday or the day before you had people on about the roadworks that were happening and somebody left town and was driving somewhere Aiden, on the other yeah. side of the dumb kettle and they were waiting and waiting and there was somebody who was shuffling on the tar doing something with the tarmac. And I'm thinking... Why is this happening? And, you know, recently there was something similar in Ring of Skitty when there was people were in in their cars um, for hours trying to get to work or trying to get from work from Ring of Skitty and something with um, the waterworks. That got sorted, Shanti, actually. It did get, yeah, yeah, it did. But, you know, the fact that it happened and, you know, who signed up on that and where's all that information? But I, I really want to know what happens after things get sorted. So it's got sorted and, and we're happy now. We just continue as we are. But the people who sign off on these, these things, they're still there to sign off on other things. And it's the yeah. same with RTE. And do you know the way we constantly get told, Shanti, about RTE, and we must accept it, that there was no law broken. Do you think that's enough? There's no law broken. Yeah, I don't know. No law broken. Does that mean that everything is okay? Obviously, it's not okay because people are outraged. And, you know, it's people's money. Yeah, yeah. We pay. And we pay every year. And it's a large sum. And, you know, most of it, like, I don't even watch RT. Um, I, I watch other channels. Um, mm -hmm. But I still pay. Yeah. I still listen to the radio. I don't listen to RT radio. I, I listen to you guys. And well, thank you so, for like, doing that. My will money will you pay again, Shanti, do you think? Pardon? Do you do you think you'll pay the next time your license comes up? Yeah, I will because aren't we supposed to? And I don't want to break any rules, laws, or regulations. So you know, I obey. I obey by all the rules. And so why can't other people? Shanti, they said you were nervous about coming on. I'm glad you did. And please call again. Great call, Shanti. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. It's time, she says, for accountability. Never mind. And a lot of people have said this. Never mind your legality or not. Don't mind whether it was legal or not. If it was legal, it was legal. That's fine. But what about accountability for the mess in which Archie now finds itself? Great call, Shanti. Thank you. We all heard overnight that Madonna is in the intensive care unit and has been there since Saturday. They were very worried about her. Now, how they managed to keep it under wraps with showbiz 
news websites like TMZ not getting it out there until her manager made a statement last night. That was a great job by Madonna's people in keeping that under wraps, but she was shifted to hospital on Saturday last, ended up in the ICU with what they're calling a serious bacterial infection. That could be anything. That could be anything like from meningitis to sepsis to anything. Now, she's been responding to treatment and will make a recovery, so we're being told. But it's meant that her tour, which was due to start in late July, has been put back, presumably put back for several months. She was to start in Vancouver and then do New York, Los Angeles, Miami, Las Vegas, Chicago. She was coming to London, to Belgium, to Denmark, to Sweden, to Germany, the Netherlands, right throughout the late summer and into the autumn and into the winter. That is put back now by several months, we assume. And only a week ago, she appeared in a big publicity shoot on her Instagram where she has 18.9 million followers and then taken ill, shifted to hospital Saturday. Serious bacterial infection. We don't know what it is. She's, She's a young woman. She's only 64. And she... It would have been one hell of a tour. I there was no Irish date on it, unfortunately. That I wasn't happy about that. She's one. She's kind of one of the people I want to see live before they cart me off this mortal coil to my eternal reward. Uh, she would be brilliant. I, Tina Turner was one I never got to see, unfortunately. Madonna's one I hope to see. She's not going to Ireland on, on this tour yet, anyway. But we wish her well. We wish her well, and it would. Gotta hand it to her her people. In these times when nothing is a secret for more than one minute, they managed to keep it under wraps until she was actually out of danger, which is great. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach ninety six. I'm laughing at the promo for the 96FM dating there because there's a survey that's been published in the UK now about chat lines and the top 20 has been published, top 25. I'll do more on these tomorrow. It's a kind of a Friday thing. The most cheesy, stupid, ridiculous chat-up line that has ever been used on you. If you used any of these, we'll do them tomorrow. We want to hear your best and your worst because it seems to me, according to a new survey they've done and published in The Sun, that <laughs> they're in vogue again. Oh, help. They're popular again. And the cheesier they are, the more people actually like them. Like, when I was dating, if I walked up to someone and said, are you a parking ticket? Because you've got fine written all over you. I'd have got a smack, and rightly so. For that kind of nonsense. But they're popular again. We'll come back to it tomorrow. We'll have some fun with it. It being Friday and all of that. But no fun in, in tower and no water since when, Ken? Not even to boil the kettle. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. When, um, you, when was the last water in the tap? La, uh, on Monday. Right. And they no, just stopped. They just stopped and they gave they, uh, they gave no indication that it was coming back on or whatever. The Dr. John Sheehan put up in his post yesterday to be back yesterday evening. Or was it Wednesday? Uh, yeah, yesterday at 5 o'clock. Uh, he didn't say what day at 5 o'clock, but 
Hmm. But anyway, like, it, it's, it's it's more but And Ken, sorry, did Irish Water give any indication as to the fact that I, they would be turning it off? As far as I know, they didn't. I, I don't know, did you have any listeners co- contact you? But You're the first from um, that part. No, yeah, I, I think the people in Tower are very quiet. I, I don't know. No, because one night last week, was it one evening or one night last week, yeah. we, we had no water. I turned on yeah. the tap and there was no water. And then I said, God, the water's gone. And my missus said, yeah, there's a note there behind the bread bin. Yeah. They told us two weeks ago they were turning the water off tonight. Yeah, well, we have none since Monday, as far as I know. And I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but there's definitely two to three hundred houses on the old line in Tower yeah. that have no water. Now, they said that, uh, and uh, uh, they, I, I don't think Irish Water said that we got, got it through the grapevine last night that the pump was gone or something yesterday and they won't be delivered to Cork until this morning or today. How are you managing? But, yeah, uh, bottles of water from Centra and, and Super Value and Ballancolig. Um, now, we're lucky that we have a, a water bot uh, for the toilet, but other than that, we, we, we don't. I'm just wondering, um, can you can you get money back off Irish water for that? Or, no, it's not that I want to do it, but yeah. it, it's, it's, it's not right in what they're doing like. Yeah, well, we don't get water bills. I, I, yeah. I imagine if you were getting a water bill, you'd have cause to, to get compensation on it. Like, uh, go back, say, was it Wednesday night? They actually left off the water from the bottom of the, from up, say, up towards the golf club. There's the reservoirs up there, but they left off water down towards the village. Mm. Uh, and it just they just left it off down the road, streaming down the road now. You know, they could have pumped it into a tanker or something. Yeah. You know, but no, just left it off down the road and five or six footers looking into the hole. And mentioning a tanker, there's no sign of them bringing out a tanker with a standpipe ranting for you to fill up your bottles with, that's, no? That's what, I, that's what I'm getting at. Like, in this day and age, we're four days without water. There should have been a tanker. I think John Donovan's crowd were up the top of the hill. And we actually drove, I got into my car and we drove myself and my wife. And we said, geez, there's a tanker there now, might be give us water. Which was actually, they were trying to put water into the, into the reservoir, I'd say. And you have a water butt for the toilet, so you're okay there. Yeah, we're lucky there, but I mean, other people mightn't have it, you know what I mean? Other people mightn't have water, but they yeah. can't have showers, you know. They c- like, even if they said, first, that will be out, you know, mm. but they didn't. Yeah. That's just, uh, I know what they're supposed to, we're supposed to have it back this morning, um, I don't know. Did you I mean, have a look at their website? I, I didn't, I know, but my wife is at home, she does, she probably would be looking at that, um, but like, Four days is a long time without water. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. Listen, it is. You know? we, we were we were without it for a, a more yeah. a night and a morning. Yeah. And like that, now in the story, only for we had some bottled water lying around. There'd have been no kettle for my coffee in the morning, and I wouldn't have yeah. been a happy bunny. But it came back that, and when it came back, oh, when it came back, it was manky for a couple of hours. That's the worst part. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the same thing was going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, I let you go. No, I tell you, the reason being, I, I heard it on the, the, your sister station this morning. Yes. Uh, on Ken Tobin. I, I don't listen to the two lads because I, they, they drive me mad down the mornings. <laughs> so I prefer Ken Tobin. He has better music and whatever. <laughs> well, anyway, Ken will be delighted uh, to hear that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'll leave you go. Show and drive the rest bye. of your day. Listen, one, one more thing there. Go on, go on, Could go you on. give a shout out there? to the, 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 we're, we're playing in the Golf Classic there on, on Friday below and there's more. Go and uh, there's a lad in work there. He, he's mad for advertising it. Uh, there's, there's more what, soccer What's the club. classic? What's it for? 
there's a golf classic, there's Lismore Soccer Club. Nice. And where are you playing? We're playing in Lismore, I know, which is Waterford, I suppose. We won't get too many that's people all right, to go that's down. That's all right. You, you, yeah, you, asked, me, all right, you asked me for a plug, Ken, and you've just yeah, done it yeah. for yourself. You On the ball, Good man. Thanks, Thanks bye. very much. Bye bye. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'd say he'd chat all day if I let him. And great to have it now, Kevin on RTE. Morning, how are you? All right. Uh, listen, this is a story that keeps on giving for yourselves. Is I wake up, I turn, I come down the morning, turn on the radio, and it's what's the latest? And it's it's a sad state of affairs that it's got this much attention when there's so many other things out there that deserve attention that just got overlooked and and overridden by this red top story and it's turning into that kind of like you were saying you were out last night everyone's talking about it but this to me I look at it and it's like how many public departments have this have access to a slush fund that can subsidize contracts there are pains to turn around and tell you that presenters numbers 2 to 10 are absolutely squeaky clean the ground what about 11 to 50 you know, if if they were if their if their contracts were forensically looked at, how many of those presenters or staff are topped up to try to keep pace with what they're declaring? We don't know. There's a point actually, Kevin, that has been made a couple of times. First of all, is Ryan Tuberty the only person for whom this has been done? It is. They say he is. It's hard to believe it. Do you think the onus is on them to prove it? They have to prove it. I mean, at the end of the day, I think they've lost a run of themselves. The fact that they think they're dealing with their own private money. They don't have the... It sounds... Whenever you listen to them, they don't have the concept that they're dealing with public funds. Yes. And it's like, this is what we've got to pay you. And if we can't get it out of this account, we'll get it out of another account. And we won't declare that one. We'll tell them this. Uh, it's, it's, it's Galway 10 stuff. This is what it screams out to me. It's Galway 10 stuff. And look, I opened my phone this morning, as everyone does, I opened Twitter, and one of the first things I saw was a tweet from David Cullman. And he put out about an ombudsman... It's the Sinn Féin guy, the Waterford Sinn Féin health guy, yeah. Yeah, into scoliosis. And it was a a case that a a girl has been waiting for five years for this surgery. And I thought, that's the story now. That'll be leading the, the, the press today. It won't. It'll get ignored again. And... It's it's stuff like I remember, and funny enough, it was Tuberty that brought this up on the late show years ago, and it goes back to what Shanti was saying. We've become conditioned to just accept and tolerate all of this stuff. Mm. You had people on yesterday. I was listening to 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 people phoning into yourself talking about having to travel twenty, thirty, forty miles for a GP. That's right. And it's like, well, that's just Ireland. That's that's the way it is. And yes. You could well, run no, on, from, Kevin, I, I don't think we were. I from, don't think we were well, saying it in that term. Saying, I know, I you know, know. But what that's I'm saying how to you, it is, and it's wrong. It is wrong. But what I'm saying to you is, you could run a show from nine till twelve, talking about Ryan and what's going on at RT, and you get a line of callers, and by twelve o'clock you'd have a queue of callers that you couldn't get to. That shouldn't be the case, because the scoliosis case, the GP's case, the HSE waiting list, we're sending people to Spain for knee surgeries, and. We're advertising. There were, there were the credit unions are offered advertising products to send people to Spain, and we accept it. That can't be right. No, yeah, in twenty twenty, it yeah. can't be right. And I thought, look, you guys, you know, I think you guys do a fantastic job. I listen every day, and I have done for years, and I absolutely respect what you guys are doing. 
But it it must drive you nuts when you know people who are working in RT at the same commitment as you guys have, and they're struggling the same as everyone else. Kevin, I won't, I, won't, I won't tell you who said this to me because I, yeah. would, I would never identify them, but someone told me at one point that they were bringing guests in for a programme. I won't say radio or television. Guests yeah. were coming in for a programme and they couldn't offer them coffee because they were out of milk and there was no... Now, somebody eventually went out and bought a pint of milk around the corner, but there was actually no allowance for milk when the milk ran out at lunchtime. They're the people who've been stiffed yeah. by 75,000 euro checks bouncing around for consultancy fees. Yeah, I mean, and you were talking to a TD earlier on, and he's dead right in what he was saying. Look, the Media Affairs Com- Committee is like, look, cut your teeth into this, lads, and we'll move you on to a, a bigger committee next time round. The PAC are forensic. In, and the one thing you can look at, look, there's loads of different parties across the country. When they're in this committee, they almost, most of them leave their party hat at the door. And it's like a cha- watching a chain of prosecutors looking at you. Mm. And one will lead the other, will lead the other, will lead the other. And by the time they get to the end, they're happy in bits. Have, have you popcorn? Have you popcorn or pizza ordered for the afternoon? Where are you working? I've got I've got cans in the fridge, lad. I'm going to be half today. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say enjoy, but yeah, it'll be oh, interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be a riveting experience. I'm pretty certain. But look, while people are watching all of this stuff and sure yes. engage with it, everyone, you're right. People need to watch what else is going because governments are notorious for this as well. Lads, they're talking about this. Let's slip this out in the news there. No one will notice as well. Yeah, and, and actually, Kevin, tomorrow being Friday, you're right. We need yeah. our eagle eyes open tomorrow right. because this will be still, the flames will still be burning of this tomorrow. You're, you're, you're looking at two of the best in the business through a screen looking at you to be, to be spotting this stuff. <laughs> so I've no worries when it comes to yourselves doing it. See you, fella. Thanks, Kev. Uh, 0818969696. Yeah, some media insiders, I always wonder who those people are, but some experts on how the media works are saying that Tuberty won't be back on RTE. Uh, simple. He's done there. I don't know about that. I really don't know about that. Bernie says RTE is the national forum for debating all the topics Kevin is referring to, and that's why it is so important we get it right. Commercial stations and papers can walk away. But they have to cover these issues all the time. Well, we don't walk away, um, Bernie. I take your point. We can, but we don't. Um, and I, I'd like to think we don't anyway. But yes, excellent point. Last quick call. It's 60 years this week since JFK was in Cork. Are you telling me, John O'Donovan, that the record number of echoes sold still stands? Yes, in one sitting, uh, I was a regular caller to this show, a good friend of the show, Donnie Murphy from the North Side, who you would know well. I do. Yeah, great contributor and great friend of mine. Um, But as you know, the time difference, uh, Kennedy was shot on the Friday night, and obviously there was no internet or nothing that then no one had had television or even phones in their houses. So it was a Saturday, then it was all over the papers. And the Echo, people, there was such a clamour for the Echo, and Donnie's pitch was outside the steps of the Savoy. And he was only 12 years of age at the time. He sold 3,500 echoes that evening. 
three and a half thousand. And people were in such a frenzy, PJ, they didn't even wait for their change. So he said he was walking home with a bag of all the change that they, he didn't have to give back. <laughs> and even at 12 years of age, he almost got a hernia with the weight of the change uh, in the bag. <laughs> Lord rest poor Tony. We lost him a yeah. few years ago. He was a he great character. Ah, oh, fantastic. Was a great brilliant, character. brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But that that record will never be equal. No, obviously, like you mean to say, the papers know it was not the same, right? But three and a half thousand, like you mean, from one twelve-year-old I mean, what an achievement! So, in a roundabout way, we made our uh, Kennedy came to Cockley, but we have our own little bit of trivia as a gas history, as a gas doing yeah, Kennedy yeah. and Kennedy came to Cork. It was around this time. 60 years ago and there were still photographs remember my we had a photograph of home at home we, we still have it that was taken of the crowds that came mm-hmm. to see him John oh, yeah. look yeah. back at yeah. those pictures now mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the whole city turned out to see JFK well, it's why we call everybody. it's why we call Kennedy Park Kennedy Park well, this is really was like a film star at the time. And the idea of an Irish American president, like in a Catholic at the time as well. I mean, it was a huge deal. The same as when you, the assassination. I think the, the I suppose the, the other high profile in history was Michael Collins and Bill Nabla. I don't think since that, like, was there such mourning in the country because, like, I mean, people were shocked even at this side of the Atlantic. I mean, that Kennedy could be actually assassinated at 46 years of age. Well, you, you know, know? We, we have this thing what we call a Kennedy moment now in, in history, John, in that yeah, the Kennedy moment, my dad, that was his Kennedy moment and his generation. You could remember where you were, what you were doing, exactly when you heard that Kennedy had been shot. With oh. me, it was Elvis. I think, the yeah. you know, I, mean, I remember being on holidays in Barleycove when I heard that Elvis was shot and the woman selling the selling the examiners in the morning in, in, in the caravan park was crying. Yeah, I believe it, yeah. You know? And listen, I, I leave on this as a gas Tuberty, right? Yeah, go Did on. you hear uh, Ryan Tuberty's impression of Arnold Swatzenegger in The Terminator? This is what Ryan says, I won't be back. Go on, you messer, John O'Donovan. Yeah, the most echoes ever sold in a day in the history of the echo. And Donny Murphy, who was a, a great pal of myself and John, and indeed of Fergal. We all knew him really well and great time for him. He sold three and a half thousand echoes that afternoon, 60 years ago this week. A long time ago, but ask your parents if you're too young to remember. I wasn't cheeky monkey. I wasn't born then. For the sake. But ask him and look for photographs. JFK in Cork, 19... 19- 63. The crowds, lads. You just wouldn't believe it. You really wouldn't. Right, we'll see what happens at that committee today. Um, and we'll be interested in it. Andrew says a different Andrew. You said you'd like to see Tina Turner. I saw her on the Break Every Rule tour. She was amazing. Great experience. Yeah, that'll be one of my musical regrets, never having gotten to see the great Tina Turner. That's it. Programme edited by Imro Hay. Produced and research by Fergal Barry. Thank you for taking part in the conversation in whatever way you did. And we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.